Namaste everyone. Welcome to the Charvak Podcast. This is Kushal Mehra. All right, today is part three of, of our discussion on the uh, Supreme Court judgment where uh, the five-judge bench led by Justice Chandrachud upheld the abrogation of Article 370. In part one, we had discussed the arguments uh, that were provided by the folks who opposed the abrogation of Article 370. Then in part two, we focused a lot on sovereignty, what exactly sovereignty is, and some of the aspects of the judgment. But today we are going to get into basically the, the rest of the judgment today is going to be the final part, which is part three. In case you are tuning in for part three straight, I would recommend that you go and watch uh, part one and part two first. Otherwise, you will not understand a lot of things. Um the links to part one and part two are very much in the description of the podcast. So I would recommend you can go and watch that too. And now having said that, chalo bhai Nikhil, lag jao kaam pe. Hi Kusha. Uh, so Hi. today we conclude all of this. It's been a long, perhaps sometimes too long of a discussion. <laughs> uh, look, so where we've left off, uh, we have essentially covered arguments of both sides. We've covered the history of JNK. And we ended pretty much with the finding that the court, that there was no trace of sovereignty left in the state of Jammu and Kashmir. So the principal argument of the petitioners that state of JNK somehow remained or had some concept of residual sovereignty at the very least, even after having been incorporated as a state within the Union of India through the constitution, uh, was nullified by the court, right? And the idea then was, uh, the, the finding therefore is that the state of JNK, as it exists, its relationship is now governed largely by Article 370 and therefore governed by within the constitution. So within the constitution of India, you should logically be able to take steps to even modify this relationship. But that will depend now on certain issues that we will discuss. First, whether or not Article 370 actually had a temporary character, if in fact it did not have a temporary character then you could not have modified. Hmm. Or if it did not have a temporary character, then unlike every other provision of the constitution, you could not modify it. But every other provision of the constitution, you could modify under Article 368. But Article 368 will not apply to Article 370 because of the non-standing clause. And so the argument from the petitioner's side is that once the constituent assembly is gone, and Article 370 essentially freezes, it becomes ossified, you can't alter it in any manner or form. And that this particular uh, provision required certain consultative processes with bodies within the state of JNK. One of those bodies having disappeared, the actual removal of the provision could never, never occur again. <laughs> and the union, of course, rebutted this. But the first question that came up after this for the court to decide was that all these powers are being organized and are being exercised after there are two proclamations in place that place the power of the state government in the hands of the governor and through him the president and the power of the state legislative assembly in the hands of the power. Right? And this was first the section 92 proclamation of, uh, 20, of 20th June 2018. Listeners will recall that on the 19th of June 2018, BJP withdrew support for the Mehbooba Mufti government. On the 20th of June, 
the governor of jnk enacts exercises powers under section 92 and takes over only the executive side of the government right this lasts for a period of 6 months at the expiry of that 6 month period i'm not going to go into too much detail on this because it's covered in the first two parts there is a reenactment but this time under article 356 because unlike article 356 section 92 of the jnk government has no provision for extending the 6 month period that is initially provided for the governor to take control and after that when 356 kicks in 356 is ratified by parliament and it lasts for close to about 8 months 10 months and at that point in time when there is an occasion for again renewing it instead of renewing we have 370 that is or or there's a partial there's a renewal and then immediately we have the abrogation of 370 so the first question was were these proclamations under section 92 and under article 356 were they valid mm. and a lot of what we have to do it's really cold in delhi so there's going to be hot coffee very good badaiyo podcast uh this is a material let's assume a situation that this proclamation under section 92 comes into force on the 20th of june and immediately political party is a person or a citizen of of jnk or a citizen of india but residing in jnk challenges the proclamation as being illegal even within the terms of the provision of the jnk constitution right hmm. and that challenge is upheld the hmm. government will restore hmm right yeah but no challenge is made why they didn't make it and i think they didn't make it because again thoda sa game khela gaya which was section 92 allows you to take over the state government but the legislative assembly was still in place so perhaps they were lulled into this sense of this has been done many times before in kashmir doesn't matter it will mm-hmm. come back government will come back six months ka period hai. once six months lapses we'll be back they might have three fifty six for a little while longer but eventually the government will be back no problem hmm they didn't see what was coming and so they never actually challenged it and what happens then is that the entire period lapses hmm. without a challenge same thing to 356 entire period lapses without a challenge so one of the arguments raised by the the government was you can't now be raising this whether hmm. proclamation under 39 under section 92 or under article 356 were illegal hmm. and the court says look you have a constituent these are constituent powers being overtaken by the executive by the central executive so we will not look at an argument of just delay right but mm-hmm. it is correct to say and this is important it is correct to say that neither was challenged at the time at which it was enacted and they were fully accepted not enacted mm-hmm. from so the court says look so therefore what happens is even in your writ petitions that you file challenge you don't actually take any actual grounds challenging these mm-hmm. you may have a passing reference to saying these are illegal but you don't actually make out any ground for why they are illegal mm. and eventually the court says all right be that as it may we will not 
deal with this on delay the materiality of what you are essentially saying is decisions taken during the existence of this period particularly the 356 proclamation that mm. is what really perturbs you mm. the 356 proclamation itself did not but the decisions did right mm. so the question that becomes could the decisions be challenged right or is there such a power to the center that when it takes steps under 356 because it is a state of emergency Mm. action that it takes under it can't be questioned mm. or have a very very limited ground of question and it's interesting in indian history these situations have existed an era has existed when where when 356 was exercised the courts used to literally take their hands away Mm. and so we're not going to look into why this was enacted really other than the fact of whether is it malafide or are there any extraneous considerations involved in other words is it just purely a political maneuver to dismiss a government but if you have enough grounds you have relevant grounds not enough nobody is looking at sufficiency but these grounds are relevant enough for the declaration that constitutional machinery in the state has failed we will look no further mm. that be the law and so the court then embarks on this analysis of what is 356 what is the scope of 356 what is the effect of 356 and how is it mm. limited if at all by 357 because the argument raised by the petitioners was 357 is worded in a particular way and its effect is to limit what you can do under 356 mm okay just setting this up before i go into the details the two right. judgments of the court looks at are state of rajasthan versus union of india if of 1977 that 79 the judgment very interesting uh in the 77 elections state of rajasthan at that time was had a congress state government mm-hmm. and in the 77 general elections congress lost every single seat so the union home minister at that time who belonged to the janata party coalition wrote a letter to the chief minister there and to the speaker saying you must consider whether your assembly should be dissolved mm-hmm. because evidently don't have the confidence of the people otherwise you would not have lost every single seat in the way in which you have right this is quite contrary to our commonly understood cephalological dictum that indians vote very differently for state elections and for central elections something that we have come to take as perceived wisdom and fact of wisdom and actually axiomatic wisdom over period mm. of time but at that time the argument was raised that look if this has happened then you should really be dismissed so before anything could be done under 356 the state of rajasthan files an injunctive suit against the union of india hmm under the constitution of india states can file suits against the union of india states can also file suits against each other hmm and the chief they sought was you cannot take any power you cannot exercise any power under 356 and the state of rajasthan actually creates 
and this is very wonderfully actually drawn out by Justice Chandrasekhar in this judgment. And he says, "State of Rajasthan created a centripetal analysis of 356, and what that meant was, if I can just sort of read directly from the judgment for this, sure, because this will help people." But what what he essentially says is this: that three fifty seven, three fifty six. At that time, you have a provision that reads: if you can pull up three fifty, they'll ask you to keep it ready, right? Because I think it's time to. Which article? Ah, uh, you didn't tell me three fifty six, but okay. Okay. Six. Wait, I'll pull it up. Three fifty six, right? Okay. Let me pull it up on the screen. Article three fifty six. Provisions in case of failure of constitutional machinery in states, right? That's right. Yeah, there you go. Right. So, if you read this article, hmm. I'm not going to read out too much of it. But in clause one, if the president, on receipt of a report from the governor of a state or otherwise, Is satisfied that the situation has arisen in which the government of the state cannot be carried on in accordance with the provisions of this constitution. Hmm. President may, by proclamation, assume to himself all or any of the functions of the government of the state, and all or any of the powers vested or exercisable by the governor or any body or authority in the state other than the legislature of the state. Declare that the powers of the legislature of the state shall be exercised by or under the authority of parliament. Make such incidental and consequential provisions as. Appear to the president to be necessary or desirable for giving effect to the objects of the proclamation. So these these are important words here. Objects of the proclamation is a point of emphasis. That assume to himself all or any functions of the government of the state. Declare that the powers of the legislature of the state shall be exercisable. Right? There is no limitation. It is all or any functions. Powers of the legislature. That word powers does not have any limitation to it. and you can make further provisions on top of that right and that is read by the supreme court in the state of rajasthan to be a very very broad power a broad power to the extent that in Ra- state of rajasthan the court essentially says you have such a such a broad extent of power as a governor that you can have a see now what does this say cannot be carried on in accordance with the provisions of this constitution however the supreme court says you have both a preventive as well as a curative power so if you are anticipating that it cannot be carried on in accordance with this constitution you can still act already and the grounds for judicial review of a proclamation under 356 are limited the court can only interfere with the decision on grounds of malafides 
or if there was an extraneous consideration. The independence of states only lasts when the state executive and legislature have not violated their constitutional duties. If they have, the union is capable of enforcing its views on such matters to enable the constitution to work. So if you are acting against the constitution, the union has the power to step in and make sure that you act within the constitution. The president, while exercising powers under 356, can take over all the functions of the governor and can do whatever the governor could exercise in such power. It would be immaterial if the consequence of exercise of power is final and irrevocable. This irrevocability issue is a key issue because mm. the petitioners constantly keep saying that when 356 is in place, your entire purpose of a proclamation on the 356 is to drive the state towards constitutional functioning all over again. It is not to exercise powers in a manner that would completely be irrevocable for the state. And the Supreme Court in state of Rajasthan, none of this matters. The, the language, the plain language of the article is so broad mm. that you can do everything. You can do absolutely everything. <laughs> this was, you know, this is still early days of 356. Mm -hmm. Maybe even today, even at that time, there is a certain deference. And, and the court in this judgment, in the 370 judgment, recognizes that the Supreme Court's view of executive power at that time was laden with deference. You are also mm -hmm. constitutional. You are also a set of constitutional actors. Mm. And so these powers are given to you. We want to keep our hands off as far as we can. So mm. this judicial review per se as a matter of scope is always an interesting question. can al always be narrowed or broadened. And so what? If state of Rajasthan existed as the state of the law today. Right? Mm. At the time, there was no question about challenging anything with the government. Because your petition okay. itself would not be maintained. Mm. Outside of these specific questions that you raised in relation to 370 and its permanence, those questions you could have still raised. But whether or not you could have acted under 356, you could not have raised. Hmm. Well, that was foreclosed by the Supreme Court's interpretation. And this is 77. In 1990, a small matter of 13 years later, there's a judgment called S.R. Bomai versus Union of India. Hmm. S.R. Bomai is what I would call sort of... Uh, it came in 94, but related to dismissals of government in 91-92. It was... It to date remains the seminal judgment on the issue. It has substantially altered the powers under 356, centers powers under 356, reduced them, is what I would say in simple terms. So, layman's terms, you had much more expansive powers under the state of Rajasthan regime. You have much lower powers under the SR Bomai regime. Right? Mm. Why? Because by the time 1994 this judgment is being passed, court notices, what the fuck are you guys up to? 356, where the constitution where the constitution framers are saying, let this be a dead letter of the law. Let there be no occasion on which the central government or the union government exercises power in the 356. Yet we arrive in 1990, not more than 40 years after uh, after the coming into force of the Indian constitution, or 44 years after coming into force of the Indian constitution, and it's been exercised 90 times. Hmm. 
right? 90 times means you guys are playing fast and loose with 356. Because if you look at the language again of 356, it allows you to do whatever. But there is a precept. And that precept comes from the marginal note. And this marginal note will be a very important thing. If you can go back to 370 for a second. 370 oh, or 356? Sorry, 356. Go to the top. Right to the top. Yeah, wait further, further, further up. You see this? Provisions in case of failure of constitutional machinery in states. Hmm. That's the assumption. That's right. This constitutional machinery phrase is not used hmm. otherwise in the article anywhere. You can remove it now. It's not hmm. used otherwise in the article anywhere else. Hmm. In the in the Article what is used is not in accordance with the provisions of the constitution. That is, in fact, broader than saying constitutional machinery. Because what constitutional machinery would represent is all right, you have some issues within a state. One element of the constitutional element is not working, the other element may be working. You know, th that doesn't mean there's a total machinery breakdown. Certain provisions may be being breached. You can always remedy that. You know, time is not static. But constitutional machinery is a broader term. So Judgment after judgment had used that word constitutional machinery from the marginal note to actually mm. interpret the intent behind the legislation, uh, behind the provision. So by the time Burmai arrives, mm. the state of Pakistan makes it centripetal on two grounds. One, limited scope of judicial review, which is only malafide with extraneous considerations and irreversible actions. So this is very important. If you go to 356, there are timelines. Forget about opening it up again. But I'm telling you, there are timelines which say, I enact 356 now as center. I have two months to get a center parliament, both houses of parliament, approval. Even within those two months, I can take irreversible steps. Hmm. Okay. Bomai now comes around and says, Bomai creates, as Justice Chandrachud quotes, and uses this term. He says it creates a centrifugal interpretation. Right? More protection for the federal structure. And what does this imply? One, greater judicial review. President must form opinion based on objective material. Mm. When you say objective material, you are saying, I can examine this material as mm. a court. And I can ask you, all right, there may be a little bit here, a little bit there, but why the totality of it doesn't seem to suggest a constitutional machinery breakdown? So the precondition in the head note is suddenly an imperative part of this. Hmm. Then irreversible actions, such as the dissolution of the legislative assembly, cannot be taken till approval of both houses of parliament are obtained. Okay. And today, S.R. Bomai holds the field. S.R. Bomai is the judgment that applies. S.R. Bomai also says, you can, to a, now the question that arose is, all right, you can now go into deeper analysis of judicial review for actions, for first the imposition of 356, but how far can you go to assess actions taken while 356 is in place? Hmm. As a court, can you start reversing everything? No, but there is a precondition. Nah? Only under 
I don't know. Exigent circumstances. Precondition you did not challenge. You do not raise grounds in your writ petition to challenge. Hmm. You do not raise grounds as to whether there were whether or not there was a breakdown of constitutional machinery. Today you can turn around and argue, given what happened with Buranwani in 2016, hmm. and there were other janatas that were being taken out, violence was at a height. You could say constitutional machinery is breaking down. With JNK, it's always a very easy argument to make that constitutional machinery is broken down. Yeah, that's just the case of anything that comes under the purview of national security, right? Yes, but that kind of Let's say there's a riot in uh, Maharashtra, some corner of Maharashtra. That does not mm-hmm. amount to a breakdown of constitutional machinery. Mm-hmm. State has powers designed to actually defend this. So, for example, when the post Godra pogrom happened in 2002, or as they call mm-hmm. it a pogrom, or as the other side calls it, riots occurred. The first argument raised was, why should we impose 356 when the state government is capable of having the powers to actually put bring this under control? Hmm. But eventually they decided the scale of this was so big that we had to do it. For many people, even now, the imposition of president's rule at that time was a mistake. Right? Jud- judicially a mistake. Uh, inter- constitutionally a mistake. I'm just trying to point out that breakdown of constitutional machinery, even for temporary periods, your state has the capacity to bounce back. It can, it has the resources, it can bounce back. So a temporary breakdown of constitutional machinery, you can correct for yourself. That's what your powers are for. You have the powers over police, your powers over land, you have so many other powers as a state government. You can correct mm-hmm. yourself. You might yeah. need assistance of the center, you might need central forces, but you can correct everything. So why should there be three? Why should three fifty six be exercised at all? That was one of the questions of that, right? Be that as it as it may. Now, while exercise the powers by the president after issuance of a proclamation is an established principle, the standard of review is not uniformly accepted by all judges. How do you review what the president starts doing once he assumes the power of the state? So neatly, what the court does is it says, first. Why 356 was imposed in JNK, you guys have not put out any grounds. So I am not looking into whether there were sufficient reasons to actually have a 356 proclamation. I have no material before me to say yes or no. I can Mm. at most look at the proclamation itself and the report, but that's fine. I mean, what am I supposed to decide on now? You don't give me any counter material. Mm. So that part of the judicial review is anyway gone. Now the only question is, the decisions that you took during that time, could you have taken those decisions at the time at which 356 is? And the main argument there is, could, it, could you have taken a decision which effectively uh, creates an irrevocable situation for the state? Okay. Right? <clears throat> so, to this judicial review issue, they say actions which are taken during the subsistence of a proclamation must bear a proximate relationship with the need to discharge exigencies of governance during the period of which the proclamation continues to remain in force in the state. Now, this is please bear this in mind. These are not hollow words. You are, your, your exercise of power has to be correlatable to the reasons in the proclamation and why you got the proclamation. If that's in fact the case, for sure. Hmm. At some point, somebody is going to have to ask the question and somebody will have to answer it. And I personally can't say I have a great answer on this. Why does the revocation of Article 370 fall within the scope of the proclamation? 
Article 317's revocation can happen at any time. At any point. That's a question. Be clear about this. The court nicely sidesteps throughout this judgment. Hmm. Okay. But we'll get into it further. Court accepts that ultimate object is to restore the constitutional machinery, but scope of judicial review is limited. Firstly, when you take over government, right, you're taking thousands of decisions. There'll hmm. be small decisions, there'll be big decisions. The court says, boss, if we go into, if we say every decision is reviewable. The country can't function. You can't function. Right? You can't function. Absolutely. Right? So, that's gone. You can, that doesn't mean a citizen can't sue the state. The citizen can sue the state. Yeah. Right? But the question, the, the, the root question, the root question is, the president ki power thi ki nahi. Hmm. That question we can't keep asking. That question we resume. <clears throat> and there are reasons why it is this way. One, too many steps. The other is, once you are restored as a state government, generally under 356, now of course that mm -hmm. step is also gone because of the reorganization act in this mm -hmm. case. But generally when you are restored, you can take, you are back to where you were. Right? You can take all the steps to undo whatever uh, the union government or parliament may have done at the time they were on, they were in charge under 356. And in mm -hmm. any event, it's a temporary provision. You only, you're temporary power, you're only in charge for a period of time, not beyond. Right? Now comes the great argument of irrevocability. And mm. really, this irrevocability argument comes from two sources. Uh, I think if you have Bihari audience and you have audiences from other smaller states where 356 used to be imposed for fun and mm. ordinances used to be passed for fun, mm. right? There's a famous, there is now the locus classicals on the point. It's called Krishna Kumar Singh versus State of Bihar. Okay. It's a very judgment. There was a period in which by ordinance, certain laws were being consecutively renewed. Right. So the question was, was, these are laws that don't actually get any oversight or discussion in the way in which other laws that are passed. So isn't mm. this a fraud of the constitution? Right. Mm -hmm. So the question actually arose was, if an ordinance is passed and it lapses, let's say, but certain actions are taken under that ordinance, do those, so when rights, do they lapse? Do those rights become vested in fructified rights? Do they become stable rights? Hmm. In that context, looking at the text of Article 213, Article 123, 123 and 213, that's where the Supreme Court says no. They don't. Okay, I'll come to this. This is very important. Because their argument is, look, if you're doing it for 213 and 123, same applies here at 356. Hmm. Eventual answer of the court is no, the language of the two is different. The intent of the two articles are different. Well, the intent is eventually a lawmaking intent, right? The answer actually the court is giving is even 356, the intent is not permanence. I can't mm. permanently be in a state of 356. Mm. And if I can't be permanently in a state of 356, why should my actions thereunder have a state of permanence? Now, technical legal interpretation arises 
Article 213 does not have a savings clause. It does not say that actions taken under an ordinance will survive the failure of the ordinance. Right? Mm. Either it's rejection or it's lapsing. Mm. And so the absence of a savings clause made a very big difference. Now, Article 357 exists in, in the case of 356. That is very important. I'll come to it. Uh, I'll ask you to open up 357 in a bit so that we can we get clarity on this. But the argument of irrevocability was essentially stemming from this. Now, this is very important. 357, if you can have that up. Okay, I'll put it up. Here you go. <clears throat> Whereby a proclamation issued under... So now this is exercise of legislative powers under proclamation issued under Article 356. Right? So please mark this, legislative powers. Not executive action, but only legislative powers. Hmm. And legislative powers are also not, and this argument will come up, they are also not exhaustive of all of the powers that a state legislature exercises. State legislature also exercises other powers. Be that as it may, the article reads, whereby a proclamation issued under Clause 1 of 356, it has been declared that the powers of the legislature of the state shall be exercisable by or under the authority of parliament. It shall be competent for parliament to confer on the president the power of the legislature of the state to make laws and to authorize the president to delegate, subject to such conditions as he may think fit to impose, the powers are conferred to any other authority to be specified by him in that way. Just read this article for yourself for a moment, Pushal, and contemplate this. It's actually quite an incredible provision. All of the constitutionalism that we've ever read, I'm talking about 357.1a, right? All of the constitutionalism mm. that we've ever spoken about, we've always heard of the doctrine of separation of powers. That means there is an executive that exercises executive functions. And there is a legislature that exercises legislative functions. This particular provision, in a particular circumstance, breaches that barrier. Mm. Because president can now to, uh, has the power of the legislature of the state to make laws. And if he mm. so wishes, and if he does not, then no. But if he so wishes to authorize the president to delegate subject to such conditions as he may think fit to impose the powers of conferred to any other authority. In other words, to any other authority means, let's say 356 is imposed in Maharashtra. Court says, hang on, yeah, Gujarat and Maharashtra are very similar. All your lawmaking power of Maharashtra during this period, we're going to give to the Gujarat Assembly. Hmm. Can't do that. Samaj gaya. Right? So, hmm. and, and now come to 357.2 and this is the most important group. Okay. Sorry, you've taken it away. Oh, sorry. Any law made in exercise of the power of the legislature of the state by parliament or the president or other authority referred to in clause A of subclause 1, which parliament or the president or such other authority would not, but for the issue of proclamation under 356 have been competent to make, shall after the proclamation has ceased to operate, continue in force until altered or repealed or amended by a competent legislature or other authority. This is very important. What the the way you have pulled up this provision right now? Uh, if you can scroll down, I think this you have an older version, Nietzsche. Just scroll down. Go to two. It's here. This one, right here. 
Yeah, yeah, no, no, one second. I'm just trying to see if this is the old one because there is a difference. Yes. This 357.2 is the 357.2 that was in place before the 42nd Amendment. Yeah, it was Constitution of India 1950. Yeah, so now I want to read this, right? Hmm. Any law, uh, any law made in exercise of the power of legislature of the state by parliament or the president or other authority referred to in subclause A or subclause 1, which parliament or president or such other authority would not, but for the issue of a proclamation under Article 356, have been competent to make, shall, to the extent of the incompetency, cease to have effect on the expiration of a period of one year after the proclamation, has ceased to operate, except as respect things done or omitted to be done before the expiration of the said period, unless the provisions which shall so cease to have effect are sooner repealed or reenacted. Right? What does this mean? This means that if, when you are president, you start making powers, you start you start making laws, or a whatever body you have enacted, whatever body you appointed for that purpose start, starts making laws. That body, in fact, does not have the power of the state legislature. Right? So it starts making laws that only the state legislature could make. Once those laws are made, before the 42nd Amendment, automatically those laws which were beyond the scope of your power, had you hmm. not taken over the role of the state legislature, will be inoperative. I am parliament. I am exercising the powers of a state legislature under 356. But I am still parliament. I am still parliament. I may be pretending to be the state legislature. While mm. I am pretending, I, act, I enact all the powers of state legislature, but I am still parliament. Once my 356 is gone, all the laws that I have made, which otherwise state legislature should have made, those will fail automatically. Hmm. But if you go back again to 357 and look at the amended 357, go up now. But for the issue of proclamation, uh, have been competent to make, shall after the proclamation has ceased to operate, continue in force until altered or repealed or amended. That means they do not automatically cease operation in. Hmm. Right? This is important because this particular provision 357.2 was used to say, look, if a state legislature is to have the power to be able to repeal or amend, then you can't be making irrevocable actions. But that makes sense, right? Of course. Per se, it would make sense. But the court's answer is, boss, sorry. Automatically, it used to go earlier. Now, it doesn't automatically go. Hmm. That means the constitution has now decided that what has been done is done. Hmm. The irrevocability can not, no longer come from 357.2. In fact, 357.2 in effect acts like a savings clause for all that the president does or parliament does during 356. Hmm. Why? Because it says anything you've done will continue unless somebody comes and repeals it. So effectively it continues. That means the irrevocability status has changed with the 42nd Amendment. Hmm. Right? Now, the court is very assiduous in pointing out 
that both krishna kumar singh and bomai reiterate the principle of parliamentary oversight irreversible decisions under article 356 cannot be taken without parliamentary approval for the proclamation so you can take these steps after parliament is approved fair enough right which means uh, since parliament is approved the argument of democratic deficit fails mhm what you are trying to do as petitioner is to create a separate category which is people of that state and people of that state only and there is a fair force to that argument because it is only the people of that state that elect a state government you are replacing it with 356 and you are now exercising powers which will limit the power of the people of that state to ever exercise it hmm right now there is something very interesting that comes from 356 again i had from the beginning when you had put up 356 pointed out 356 uses phrase the power of the legislature uh, the powers of the legislature of the state right okay now these powers of the legislature of the state is a much broader phrase than what 357 says 357 says legislative powers or power of the state to make the phrase actual phrase used is the power of the legislature to make laws that's not the only power a legislature exercises and specifically in our case in 370 it's not the only power it exercises it exercises various powers under other constitutional provisions as well and those powers you cannot say are gone simply because 357 gives a narrower scope I just want to enumerate some of these powers. Sure, the court actually does that. Just looking for that relevant. You'll find them in three sixty eight two. You'll find them in other provisions of the Constitution. Right. In Article fifty four, in Article eighty sub clause four, in Article two fifty two, in Article three six, the first provision of Article three sixty eight sub clause two. These are constitutional or non law making powers held by the legislature of the state for example the power of the state legislature to ratify an amendment the election of the president by elected members of the legislative assembly of the state the election of the representatives of each state to the rajya sabha by the elected members and houses of legislature in two or more states passing a resolution to the effect that parliament must legislate upon certain matters in those states matters that otherwise does not have the power to legislate upon there is a power in the constitution in article 252 where states can get together and say please exercise certain powers from our state list from list 2 you exercise them for us hmm these are not legist law making powers legislative powers per se so 357 has a narrower scope whereas the petitioners were trying to use 357 to say this is all you can do you cannot do more you can't act beyond any and all powers in 356 is basically curtailed by 357 and the court mm. rejects that no 3561b is a broader power 357 only deals with the issue of competence 
Hmm. Competence which would not otherwise have existed in Parliament to make those laws for the state is established by 357. Hmm. But 357 will not effectively override 356 and narrow 356 down. Mm -hmm. Right. So, what is the effect in simple terms? Under 357, if you have to make certain laws for the state, yes, those are the procedures you have to follow. Under 356, you have other powers beyond that legislative power that you can exercise. And in any event, executive function is not barred by, not narrowed down by 357. Right. So now what has the court done? The court has basically said 356 gives you a broader power than <clears throat> in very simple terms, the exercise of power by president under 356 must have a reasonable nexus to the object of the proclamation. We covered that. The exercise of power by president will not be rendered invalid merely on the ground of irreversibility of the actions. That is still the law. Except that irreversible step has to be taken after parliament has approved your proclamation under Article 356. That's important. The person challenging the exercise of power must prima facie establish that it is a malafide or extraneous exercise of power. After you satisfy that, now it is up to the union government to establish that no, no, it is not. The exercise of power by the president for everyday administration cannot be ordinarily subject to judicial review. Now, this is the scope of powers under 356 that they established as the basis. Now, they will analyze 370 in relation to this. Right? What you did with 370. So, the hmm. next thing that they go into is a history of 370 again. Now, because we're going to the question, the largest question that was raised in all of this. One side says 370 becomes permanent, was in fact always a permanent provision. You could hmm. never do it once the Constituent Assembly was gone. That power only remained with the recommendatory power of the Constituent Assembly. After the dissolution of the Constituent Assembly of the state of JNK, you could not have deleted Article 370. Hmm. Union, no, always a temporary provision, always intended to be a temporary provision. The source of the power in Article 370, subclause 3, still remains the President. And the President can exercise his power, can't be curtailed in exercising his power, just because a body who is supposed to be a recommendatory no longer exists. Right? These are the competing. So the first question the court asks is, is 370 by its character a temporary provision? Right? And this starts, and I want to I, I want to bring this to the attention of the general listening public. It starts at page 160 and goes mm -hmm. on for about 80 pages. It's not, it sounds 80 pages, sounds like a lot, but it's actually at least one and a half space, maybe double space, you know, reasonable font size. You'll read it comfortably. But the amount of historical knowledge from a pure legal perspective mm -hmm. of what happened around independence that you'll get from this section is actually something illuminating. And I, it's something that you must, everybody must try and read this. It will teach you a lot, a hell of a lot. Right? So, now in this part, like if you remember in part one and part two, I had dealt with the various steps that were taken by Maharaja Hari Singh, by Kushal, for some reason your cameras become hazy. Oh. Hmm. It'll be fixed, don't worry. It's still it'll hazy. Yeah. It's okay, it'll be fixed. That's fine. I had explained at that time a history as drawn out by Justice Chandrasekhar in his judgment. And in hmm. that history, he pointed out that there were certain declarations made by Maharaja Hari Singh and then of course that famous letter by Yuvraj Karan Singh. He now contextualizes everything and shows exactly how all of this happened. 
and why when you read all of it together then you read the circumstances in which states came to be then you read how article 370 existed it can it is by its own terms a temporary provision there mm-hmm. have always been temporary provisions in the indian constitution the temporariness of which is sometimes justified by the fact that that provision in itself is time bound mm-hmm. certain provisions said 10 years 15 years 20 years whatever i know a lot of people who are enthusiasts of removing reservations will immediately point to reservations but please be clear the actual provision that imposes reservations does not say it will end in 20 years that is only a directive principle of state policy it is not enforceable against that particular article right the specific article in fact goes does not have that limitation but they but these within this part of the constitution there were several provisions enacted at that at the relevant time which had in their characteristic makeup a temporariness the argument that the court will develop is that 370 as well while not having that same feature of being time bound by its own language was certainly temporary in the way in which in which it came about right i, I don't want to go too deep because I, i really do want people to read this but i will do small bits of this the thematic point that the court tries to raise is this that you have on 26 10 the instrument of accession is signed why is it signed in fact the court again does us the dignity of quoting maharaja hari singh before that they point out you have this is your legal structure be clear about this mm-hmm. british parliament enacts the indian independence act the indian independence act under the provisions of an indian independence act you have to choose the dominion one of the two dominions pakistan or india for all 562 princely states that is mm. what it applies yeah other than that there are governors provinces governors provinces go straight away no issues okay and there are uh, sorry there were governor the governors provinces and there are states otherwise both of these will go ipso facto no problem accession will also be an easy point there but no instrument of accession actually required that instruments of accession required by uh princely states proclamation is issued saying that provisions of the government of india act will be applied till fresh provisions of the constitution are applied in 1950 that doesn't happen in 1950 so one of the provisions that is applied is section 6 of the government of india act which creates this instrument of accession the instrument of accession does not come from thin air it is not a contract that two parties suddenly agree upon and sign it is a standard format document every single state signs yeah right and what's interesting is maharaj hari singh at that time writes a letter to the governor general right now i'm going to read these in slight detail because i think they make an argument for both sides on the face of it it will make an argument more for the petitioners of the exclusive nature of jnk but the way the court explains that exclusive nature of jnk and why it existed at that point in time is a very interesting let's say very very interesting jurisprudential exercise that's why i want to sort of uh, stress more on it so they the court reproduces maharaj hari singh letter hari singh letter of 26 october your mic has moved stay uh, make your mic proper your mic has moved yeah right so they have reproduced this letter 
and they say that the letter says, I understand that the Pakistan strategy is to infiltrate into Kashmir now and to take some big action as soon as Kashmir is more or less isolated because of the coming winter. Right? All of this is happening in September. Please note, September, October. The letter then goes on to say, I would again add that time is of the essence of the business and things must be done in a way to bring about the accession of Kashmir to the Indian Union as rapidly as possible with the cooperation of Sheikh Abdullah. This is all, by the way, sorry, this is all uh, Pandit Nehru's letter to Sadar Patel. Then Maharaj Hari Singh writes a letter requesting immediate assistance. And in his letter, and this becomes an important part of this judgment, it becomes an important part of the basis of 370. And that's why I'm reading. I'm not reading it for a matter of historical record. I'm reading it as a matter of a legal document that sets out the background for why 370 was in fact incorporated into the Indian Constitution. Hmm. And it is something the court relies on. So this letter by Maharaj Hari Singh actually sets out the conditions that existed there. Afridis, soldiers in plain clothes and desperados with modern weapons have been allowed to infiltrate into the state at first in Poonch and then in Sialkot and finally in Mass area adjoining Hadara district on the, Ram, on the Ramport side. The result has been that the limited number of troops at the disposal of the state had to be dispersed and thus had to face the enemy at several points simultaneously that it has become difficult to stop the wanton destruction of life and property and looting. The Mohara powerhouse which supplies the electric current to the whole of Srinagar has been burnt. The number of women who have been kidnapped and raped makes my heart bleed. The wild forces thus let loose on the state are marching on with the aim of capturing Srinagar, the summer capital of my government, as first step to overrunning the whole state. The mass infiltration tribesmen drawn into the distant areas of northwest frontier province, coming regularly in motor trucks using Mansera Muzaffarabad Road and fully armed with up-to-date weapons cannot possibly be done without the knowing of the provincial government of the northwest frontier province and the government of Pakistan. In spite of repeated requests made by my government, no attempt has been made to check these raiders or stop them from coming to my state. The Pakistan radio event put out a story, put out a story the provisional government has been set up in Kashmir. So the power play is on at that time. I have accordingly decided to do so and I attach the instrument of accession for acceptance by our government. The other alternative is to leave my state and my people to free looters on the basis of no civilized government can exist or be maintained. The alternative I will never allow to happen as long as I am ruler of the state and I have life and I have life to defend my country. Right? So the instrument of accession is given. And so basically he agrees to sign the instrument of accession based on did you hear the conditions that I had read out? The conditions in the state of JRK. Afridis, soldiers in plain clothes and desperados with modern weapons have been allowed to infiltrate into the state at first in Poonch and then in Sialkot and finally in mass area joining. Reduce your mic. Tere mic mein echo hai kya usko reduce kar. I think you have changed the settings. I don't know what you have done with your mic. You've just okay. touched it and reduced the no, echo. No, my, my echo is gone. Yeah. No, right? because. Yeah, yeah. Make it zero. Tere mic mein echo ko zero kar. Echo is zero. Which... Echo is okay. on zero. The volume was high. Is the volume fine now? Yeah, volume is fine now. Hmm. Okay, and no echo, right? Yeah, no echo. Hmm. All right. I'm not going to read again because I'm tired of reading this. Yeah, yeah don't what, worry. what he says is this. There are, there's constant infiltration from Northwest Frontier Province side. 
this mm-hmm. infiltration cannot be occurring without the knowledge of the Pakistan government and the government of the Northwest Frontier Province. In fact, on Pakistani radio, they have already declared that a provisional government has been set up in Kashmir. Mm-hmm. So he says, you don't understand the scale of, they have already burnt the local uh, power plant and uh, the scale of uh, depravity is being exercised upon women there. I, he can't even begin to describe. He says, in this circumstance, I am signing the instrument of accession and I'm handing it over to Lord Mountbatten, who is Governor General of India at that point in time. He has a separate kind of generosity. You know, He turns around and says, look, my government has decided to accept the accession of Kashmir's state to the, gov- to the Dominion of India, consistently with their policy that in case any state where the issue of accession has been subject to dispute, the question of accession should be decided in accordance with the wishes of the people of the state. It is my government's wish that as soon as law and order have been restored in Kashmir and her soil cleared of the invader, the question of the state's accession should be settled by a reference to the people. Now, please note, he doesn't say that this is only for you. Hmm. He says a consistent policy. Hmm. Because we did this for a number of other states. And this is a very interesting bit of constitutionalism that arises. Hmm. So many other states had actually established constituent assemblies. Hmm. So many other states were in the process of establishing their own constitutions. Hmm. Right? But eventually what happens is we realize that this dual constitutional mode can't exist. Hmm. And before I come to that, just to point out, the court goes to great pains, great pains, quoting Meherchand Mahajan. Meherchand Mahajan became uh, a judge of the Supreme Court and Chief Justice of India. Before that, for a while, he was Prime Minister of Jain. In his memoirs, he describes the entire events of October 47. Right? From 22nd, 23rd October, how bad it got. They quote entirely. They quote VP Menon as to how bad things were at that point. Hmm. This I'm only reiterating. And for pages and pages they quote this. I'm only reiterating this. Because at that point, 370 becomes an imperative as per the court. Only because these conditions exist. Hmm. And because these conditions exist, unlike so many other states, JNK could not establish its constituent assembly. Its constituent assembly established much later. This war in 47 doesn't goes on for all of 47, remainder of 47, for most of 48, and only a ceasefire only comes late in 48. Hmm. In fact, early 49 ceasefire comes. And it's only in 1950 that the Constituent Assembly of 51 Constituent Assembly of JNK starts getting established. By 57, the constitution comes. Hmm. But a number of other states had also undertaken this process. And so there was this problem that you would have this duality. But eventually what the court sums up as to the events leading up to the accession of JNK, you have two dominions. You have to choose one. State of JNK accedes to India. The state of Jammu and Kashmir had acceded. It reserved the right to alter the terms of arrangement in view of Clause 7 of the I had read this Clause 7. If you will recall, I had read it. And later on, I can change this. He had said it. With Maharaj Hari Singh's, with Yuvraj uh, Karan Singh's proclamation in 40, letter in 49. 
it was not the IOA, but the response the Governor General to offer by the state of Jammu Kashmir, which recorded that since the issue of accession was in dispute, it shall be decided finally by the people. What does this mean? This means by the terms of the instrument of accession, there is no conditionality there. Accession is total. It is only the statement made by the Governor General, which we mm. then adhere to. Hmm. In other words, this may not have any legal force. The legal force document will be IMP. That's it. So Governor General in his generosity says something, governments for a while do something, that's a different matter. But hmm. the legal document is only the IMP. On 5th March, Maharaja Hari Singh issued, a, on in 48, 5th March, Maharaja Hari Singh issued a proclamation for the establishment of a constitution for the state of JNK. For the governance of the state, not unlike many other states. Many other states did this. So there is no great peculiarity to any of this proceed. Mm. And so we have a draft constitution in 1948 that we will be a union of states. Very well. Number of other states were either designated as governor's provinces, they were placed in part one of the Persian. Part one means you are in a state which is, which was under the governor, that the direct rule of the British, you are coming directly into a no problem. Mm. I will accept the constitution as is. There is no exception needed. So this, these included states of Madras, Bombay, West Bengal, United Provinces, Bihar, East Punjab, Central Provinces, and Berar, Assam, and Odisha. The territories known immediately before the commencement of the constitution as chief commissioner's provinces are placed in part two. These were like Delhi, Ajmer, Mewar, uh, including uh, Panthpiploda and Poor. Part 3 consisted of Indian states, that is, your princely states. Hmm. So, JNK right now falls under Part 3. A number of other states, Rajasthan, etc., fall under Part 3. So, we have, at this time, a concept of internal constitutions of states. Now, obviously, there are practical difficulties. There were constituent assemblies that were yet to be set up in states like Rajasthan, Pepsu, Vindhya Pradesh and Madhya Bharat. But it was imperative that the constitution for the whole of India come into force. Now you have two options. Either you wait for these state constitutions to first be drafted. Mm. And you don't put the Indian constitution into force. But in a larger sense, it was imperative that the Indian constitution come into force straight away. Short, long and short of this is Kushal. Provisions that would otherwise have formed part of these state constitutions were included in the Indian constitution. explain Yeah. There is a part six of the constitution that establishes your state legislatures, etc. Executive okay. state legislature. But a part six A was instead incorporated. And Article 238 was incorporated in part six. This modified all of these structures for these states, for these princely states. Changed it a little bit. Instead mm -hmm. of governor, you were called the Raj Pramukh. Why are all these, people will always question, the governor's house in every state is massive. It's like this huge estate. Why? Because this was actually where the princes lived for a long time. Mm.
now i i want to show that there were this theory of two constitutions was eventually discarded and it was discarded uh this is explained actually by sadar vallabhbhai patel this is incorporated in the judgment i want to read this only to show what is the purpose here that this peculiarity of a second of jnk having a constitution is not a peculiarity at all the peculiarity with jnk is that let's say peace had prevailed in jnk at that point in time then the entire procedure of having a constituent assembly having your provisions that you want in your constitution incorporated in the indian constitution would have been completed for jnk in the same manner at the same time as it was for every other state but it could not mm. be done at that time because your constituent assembly could not be set up before the indian constitution came into force that delay does not mean you become special does mm. not mean your status changes that is a very important Again, point what could have been collapsed into 6 months in 48 49 get stretched out for 75 years for you does not mean the nature of it changes right the background of this they say all right we're stuck these two constitution system we're not going to do so what do we do wherever you have a constituent assembly first up we have these three lists you remember those three lists which i shown to you list 1 list 2 yeah, list yeah, 3 yeah 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 that every PDF. state comes back and says we accept these lists fresh instruments of accession are signed in fact by certain states where needed everybody accepts this they then say we will have certain provisions we would like incorporated into the indian constitution which would have been our constitutional provisions the indian constitution constituent assembly and the indian power that be at that time around say we will give this earnest consideration nothing more than earnest consideration and we give it earnest consideration we incorporate lots of this hmm. and we don't incorporate other things well, eventually every constitutional structure that you had to have had to fall in line with the indian constitution the instrument of accession is clear there is only one sovereign that is the people of india that is the dominion of india the dominion of india also cedes away its sovereignty to the people of india once the constitution of india is in force and you as a princely state first cede your sovereignty to the dominion of india and having ceded to the dominion of india through the root of the dominion of india you cede to the people of india so where you were a monarchical setup earlier you have accepted you are no longer a monarchical setup you are a democratic setup this is a mm. total and complete absolution of your existed prior for you how can there be any sovereignty remaining mm. and this exact same thing would have happened for jnk if conditions were different at that time fair enough by conditions i mean literally physical conditions state of war yeah hmm and there were a number of at that time before the seventh amendment comes in seventh amendment is very important before that comes in we have these three categories of states part 1 part 2 part 3 jnk falls into part 3 along with certain other states who wanted certain constitutional provisions their constitutional provisions have been incorporated but jnk says i have a constituent assembly it will pass a constitution 
Now, please note that the court also goes into an analysis of the JNK constitution and says, there's nothing here that is materially different from the Indian constitution. Other than the fact that, in fact, it doesn't have a part three. The constituent assembly of JNK, therefore, was always conscious from the start that if you're undertaking a constituent exercise here, you have to mm. be adherent to the Indian constitution. Yeah. And in right? fact, maybe that is the reason they might have kept certain clauses, right? As a wiggle out. No, no, so the structure are the same. You say, I have a legislature. I have a uh, legislative assembly. I have a council of ministers. The the, the notional executive head is the is the Sadre Riyasat, but he must follow the aid and advice of the council of ministers. Hmm. Just as we have in the union, union in the Indian constitution. And uh, various other provisions for elections, etc. It's all there. You have done exactly what the Indian constitution would otherwise do. You are not therefore creating a, a, a completely different constitution. You were following the same steps everybody else would have followed. But you had a constituent assembly and you formed your own constitution. That's all. Nothing more. Now, what the court does is there are various instruments of accession signed again by various other states. Saurashtra signs one. Uh, mm. Similar IOAs were executed by the states of Madhya Bharat, Patiala, East Punjab States Union, uh, Matsya Union, Union State of Rajasthan, Travancore, Cochin, and Mysore. But JNK had expressed, expressed its inability to expand the matters listed in the IOA until the constituent assembly of the state was formed. The state of Jammu and Kashmir only exceeded a dominion control over the subjects of defense, external affairs, communication, and ancillary matters. That was around 25 to 26 legislative heads that fell with the union in any event at that point in time. So now what the court impulse from this is that Jammu and Kashmir is a part three state and there are certain there is a special provision needed for Jammu and Kashmir. Now comes the procedure by which states will ratify the constitution. And the court says this earnest consideration that we were supposed to give to your want to your desired constitutional provisions that's been done. And now they contextualize that letter of Yuvraj mm -hmm. Karan Singh. Right? And the last that we had mentioned in the last podcast. That's, also. Right. That's the 25th November 1949 letter. Now, this is a full two years after the instrument of accession. This is two years, uh, this is after draft constitution of India has been circulated. This mm -hmm. is after you have sent members to the Indian Constituent Assembly. So you are a part of the constituent constitutional process of India. You are not outside of it anymore. You are not an appendage that simply attaches itself for the purpose of attachment and for some protection. You are much more. And therefore, the last paragraph of that instrument of accession is used, sorry, of this letter is used to undo paragraph 7 of the instrument of accession, which has said, look, I can retain my sovereignty when I need to. That is mm -hmm. what paragraph 7 of the instrument of accession for JNK had said. But now please see what they say. That the provisions of the said constitution, that is the Indian constitution, shall, as from the date of its commencement, supersede and abrogate all other constitutional provisions inconsistent therewith which are present in force in the state. You have accepted the Indian constitution. Before that, you say that the constitu constitution of India, shortly to be adopted by the Constitutional Assembly of India, shall so far as it is applicable to the state of Jammu and Kashmir, govern the constitu constitutional relationship between the state and the Union of India and shall be enforced in this state by me, my heirs and successors in accordance with the tenor of its provisions. Hmm. You have exceeded. 
you have acceded to this constitution hmm so this is what the court then infers from all of this you had various constituent assemblies you had a steady integration integrated integration of states and there was no place for two constitutions the legislative competence of the, of the union over the states in part 3 was limited to subjects of defense external affairs and communications now later all states in part 3 other than jnk by express expanding the scope of the ioa correspondingly conferred the union legislature competence over all entries in list 1 and list 3 in view of the limited competence of the constituent assembly of india with respect to the state of jammu and kashmir in demarcating legislative competence between union and the state a special provision had to be made for the state of jammu and kashmir that's article 370 that special provision was article 370 hmm the procedure for ratification of the constitutional state of jammu and kashmir was not intended to be different when compared with the procedure for ratification of other states in part 3 where the constitution was made applicable by a proclamation by the rajpramukh what happened was that who was the rajpramukh the erstwhile ruler rajpramukh article 238 i'll read a part of it for uh, the sake of completeness article 238 it said the provisions of part 6 part 6 are what set up your state legislature your governor and your executive in states okay The provisions of Part Six shall apply in relation to states specified in Part B of the first schedule, as they may apply in relation to states specified in Part A of that schedule, subject to the following modifications. Part A states now you can take are what were your full-fledged states. Everything has applied to them. Part B states eventually mm. are the ones where you still had constituent assemblies. They still had certain constituent provisions. There was a period in which you were going to integrate them fully and bring them into the same legislative, uh, the same constitutional scheme as Part A. So what do you get for the word governor? There will be a rajpramukh. Hmm. Uh, the rajpramukh shall, unless he has his own residence in the principal seat of government of the state, be entitled without payment of rent to the use of an official resident, and shall also be entitled to such allowances and privileges as the president may by general or special order determine. They were not worried about anything other than protecting their own interests. Hmm. You know, so that's what the purpose of these articles was. <laughs> and you know certain certain sort of exceptions start getting out but be that as it may this is the purpose of 238 so what the court then infers is the proclamation by the maharaja hari singh hari singh by issuing the proclamation on 25th november 1949 that is yuvraj karan singh's uh, letter mm mm-hmm. declaring that the constitution of india when adopted be applicable to the state of jammu and kashmir ratified the acceptance of the constitution of india the ratification could not be modified or revoked even by the constituent assembly of the state hmm. constituent assembly could not form and then say we don't accept the constitution of india so in the eyes of the court the way this entire procedure has gone your constituent assembly is no different from the constituent assembly of any other state any other state, state you are playing a role subordinate to the larger constitution that's all hmm and that is why the union of india had at one time argued no this is not a constituent document it's not a legislative document the document subordinate exactly. to the larger indian constitution the constituent assembly of the state could make recommendations for the modification of a provision as it related to jammu and kashmir however the union was not bound to accept such a recommendation 
these recommendations are also exactly the same recommendation that every other state was making. And eventually mm. you will see in Article 370 sub clause 3 where it says the constituent assembly will recommend the dissolution of Article 370 but the power belongs to the president. The court turn around say, turns around and says it's only a recommendatory power similar to a recommendatory power that was being exercised by all other states. You may accept, you may not accept, doesn't matter, the source of the power remains the president. Hmm. And that is how the power has been exercised. Now, while Article 370 is being debated, those conditions still exist. Those same problems that led to the creation of Article 370 still exist. And that is why you are not able to move forward with JNK in the way in which you wanted to. And so, the court says, there is essentially a delay in the kind of integration for JNK that existed for other states due to the following circumstances. A war was going on within the limits of the state while a ceasefire had been agreed to. The conditions were abnormal. Dominion was entangled with the United Nations, thanks to Pandit Nehru. Neither mm -hmm. the legislature nor the constituent assembly of the state could be established. You did not have a legislative body to actually do this process for you. Hmm. Unlike other states. Pending the conclusion of this exercise, draft Article 306A, which is Article 370, postulated yes. consultation with the state government on matters which fell within the ambit of the dominion under the IO, IOA and concurrence on others. In other words, there is cons consultation. I am passing a law for provisions under the IOA, which fall to me as a center. I'm consulting with you as a state government. You may agree, you may not agree. All right, I'm consulting with you. But for matters that are outside of the IOA, in other words, already Article 370 contemplates that mm. a legislative power not given to the Union of India under the instrument of accession is in fact given to the Union of India through Article 370, albeit with the concurrence of the state government. But you have already point. created a provision that says we are traveling beyond the IOA, much in the same way in which you are traveling beyond the IOA for every other state. Hmm. Right? After the constituent assembly of the state met and took a decision on the constitution for the state and the range of federal jurisdiction over the state, the president may on the recommendation of the constituent assembly issue an order that 370 would be dissolved. That recommendation is never made by that constituent assembly. The Constituent Assembly could have said 370 is dissolved. Only our constitution exists. Never done. Mm. They in fact add an explanation. That's about all they do. Mm. So, then comes this 7th Amendment. And by the 7th Amendment, this distinction between Part A and Part B states is erased. Now you become states and union territories. Everybody is now fully a part of India. That same mm. thing happens to you. Yeah. And then once you're fully a part of India, everything that applies to others applies right. to you. Now, if you look at it from this background, the way all of this is moving, <clears throat> you can now look at 370 and say, oh, of course, now we can work with 370. Yeah. Okay, now we can work with it and now we can deal with 370 in its own terms. The Constituent Assembly of India chose to limit the power of the union legislature to matters specified in the IOA because of the special circumstances in the state. JNK acceded to the Dominion of India once that position 
once that was the position, there was no legal impediment on the Constituent Assembly of India providing for the exercise of powers with respect to the state of JNK at par with other states. However, it was believed by the Constituent Assembly that it would send a message of goodwill. If the consent of the Constituent, constituent Assembly of JNK is obtained before the legislative competence of the, over the state is drawn. Article 370 was introduced to serve two purposes. First, an interim arrangement until the Constituent Assembly of the state was formed and could take a decision on the legislative competence of the union or matters other than those what stipulated in the instrument of accession and ratify the constitution and second, an interim arrangement because of the special circumstances in the state. Now, why is 370 then placed in this particular part, which is part 21 of the constitution, a marginal note is attached, which is a that you are a temporary provision. So the court first goes and says, look, a marginal note is not enough to say that you are a temporary provision. You have to also analyze the nature of the, of the article itself. And to cut a long story short, they say, look, the marginal note gives you a prima facie view. But if the terms of the article itself were such that it was not temporary, then we would have a problem. Then the marginal note will not prevail. But what we find on an interpretation of reading of 370 is the marginal note and the, and the terms of Article 370 fit. It is by nature temporary. But before doing that, they do a very interesting exercise. They actually list out that there were a number of provisions in the constitution that were by their definition temporary and transition. A number of them, not one. So there was no peculiarity to JNK having a, a temporary provision. There were so many of those that existed even at that time, some of which got extinguished over time. <clears throat> Article 369, for example, for a period of five years from the commencement of the constitution, they granted the authority to make laws with certain specific matters if they were enumerated in the concurrent list only to parliament. Concurrent list can otherwise be state and parliament. For five years, they said only parliament for this. 371 stipulated... Temporary provisions with respect to Part B states, providing that for a period of 10 years from the commencement of the constitution, which was then later shortened, which can be shortened or extended by parliament, the government of part, a part B state would be under the general control and would have to comply with the directions issued by the president. Article After which, when this temporary provision is done, you become a full-fledged state and you are protected as a state government like any other state government. Hmm. Right? 372 provided for the continuation of all laws in force in the territory of India as the commencement of the constitution until altered or repealed by a competent legislature. 373 contained transitional provisions relating to preventive detention. 374 pro provided that federal judges who held office before the commencement of the constitution would, unless they elected otherwise, become judges of the Supreme Court on the commencement of the constitution. Cases pending before the federal court would be transferred. You needed these provisions to create the transfer, right? Fair enough. And in fact, even the state of Punjab at one point in time had a temporary provision in its favor, which was for a was for a brief period of time and eventually went away. So they're mm -hmm. only listing that there are this is not unknown as a structure of the Indian constitution. So they mm -hmm. say the provisions which we have adverted to above were temporary, or as the case may be transitional. They were designed to be temporary either with reference to a time or with reference to the occurrence of an event. For example, the first meeting of the newly constituted elected legislature. The provisions were transitional so as to facilitate the transfer of power from institutions of governance which were functioning under the mm -hmm. Government of India Act to be duly constituted to be duly to the duly constituted institutions which would take over after the commencement of the constitution. 
and so after that new states are added you end up with another amendments on 371 c d e f etc are all added in there are also special provisions some for sikkim mizoram arunachal goa karnataka andhra manipur they all have special provisions doesn't mean that they have sovereignty hmm so they eventually then hold the belief that it was never intended to be a permanent provision temporary provision from the marginal note by the character of the article itself from 370 sub clause 1 sub clause d you are enforcing more and more of the constitution into jnk slowly if required because these conditions of war it may not be an all out war like existed in 47 but these bothered conditions always existed and a part of jnk always remained outside of india hmm right so these conditions always prevailed they never altered they never changed and for uh, at least in the early part constituent assembly hadn't done its job of the state hadn't done its job as yet so now they come to an interpretation of 370 for this purpose it says they say look this recognizes a consultative role a, con- a concurrence role a decision making role and a recommendatory role and they all have different value the use of the four phrases consultation concurrence decision and recommendation indicates that each of these phrases has been intended by the framers to have a distinct connotation consultation postulates a seeking of the view of the state government this is limited to all of those powers of law making that fall under topics under the instrument of accession for parliament parliament can exercise but there is a consultation concurrence postulates an act of affirmative acceptance of the proposal or in other words the agreement of the state government that relates to adding more powers to the union government outside of the ones already given under the instrument of accession and eventually you accept that as well hmm a decision postulates at the conclusion reached by the constituent assembly on a concurrence granted by the state government before its convening and recommendation and provided to sub clause 3 would postulate the view of the constituent assembly being forwarded to the president before exercise under 370 sub clause 3 with this they basically say this was a special provision because of three special circumstances that is the maharaja of jammu and kashmir had accepted the legislative competence of the union the constituent assembly of the state had not been convened and because of the war like conditions because of this 370 was the way it was after this came the judgment of sampath kumar sampath prakash where a challenge was laid to a particular provision that was applied to the state of jnk and the argument raised was because the constituent assembly is done article 370 is done that old argument that i referred to earlier courts have no that, that can't be 370 exists 370 is still it a provision by which integration is constantly occurring right mm. so one side looks at 370 as the as as almost a gatekeeping mm. that this is the wall between india and jnk 
whereas the court and the union has always seen 370 as a part of that integrative process and because the provision in itself has a subsection which says you can delete me it is by definition temporary hmm so as long as that state of unrest existed 370 had to exist it was never going to go away got it this dissolution of the state constituent assembly would not impact the substantive power of the president never intended to be a permanent body only a temporary one for the purpose of establishing a state constitution that purpose having been served if you are gone that does not mean the power becomes ossified 370 and 1 and 370 subclause 3 were designed for integration of jnk not for establishing a freezing mechanism to interpret 370 as frozen due to the dissolution of the state ca effectively gives it a permanence that neither its history nor its functioning ever contemplated and when you've set up all of this history kushal well, the reason why i read all of this is once you've done all this background work mm. in terms of establishing uh that 370 had this temporary character to it it becomes much easier to go back to your co272 and co273 and to upward mm. right because now you're only looking at smaller things now you're looking at what happens if you amend 367 because what you had done was to amend 367 to say state legislature will exercise the power of the constituent assembly mm. right but you are already saying constituent assembly is anyway recommendatory body you have expressly held in this judgment that recommendation is no greater than the recommendation that was given by other states to have provisions incorporated those provisions were temporarily incorporated and then eventually deleted everybody became a part of the indian constitution that same process occurred for other states over a shorter period of time for you has occurred over a longer period of time that's the sum and substance got it got it this e67 has been amended four times prior specifically for jnk by constitutional order 44 48 56 and 74 hmm right in co44 in exercise of powers conferred by clause 3 of 370 of the constitution in the present on the recommendation of the constituent assembly of the state of jammu and kashmir is pleased to declare that as of 17 day of november 1952 the said article 370 shall be operative with the modification with an explanation for the purpose of this article the government of the state means the person for the time being recognized by the president in on the recommendation of the legislative assembly of the state as a sadre riyasat acting on advice of the council of ministers we have seen sadre riyasat becomes governor when supreme court says look there's no sadre riyasat that's effectively the governor so you can't take the existence of these words as such the way they exist in this particular uh, provision to imply that there can be no that there is a total ossification of the provision right the court does have certain reservations of this manner of amendment right but that manner of amendment problem really relates to would you be able to amend all of the provisions of the constitution through a simple interpretation clause change you won't you won't mm. 
But 370 allowed you to do that. 370 gave you that power. And 370, in the context of 370, you've exercised that power in the past as well. So the Constituent Assembly, even though the court rejects one argument of the Union of India, the Union of India had argued that even the state legislature, legislature had constituent power. The court says no. Constituent power only rests with the Constituent Assembly, which is creating a constitution for the first time. Because it is involved in issues of establishing a balancing of power between various constitutional bodies in a manner in which a state legislature is not. A state legislature may have powers of amendment to a constitution, but that is completely different from power relating to uh, the establishment of a constitution. Right? So, it, it, really, the exercise undertaken by the court, first and foremost, was to draw out this history, to show there is A, no sovereignty, B, there is a definitive temporary nature to the provision, see that this temporary nature and the manner of its existence is not dissimilar to other states. This existed for other states as well. D, that when it existed for other states, that entire procedure was able to be compressed into a one or two year period very easily because of the conditions that prevailed in those states. That does not mean that the nature of the same provision for you alters in some manner or form, or that it creates sovereignty in you in some manner. And that when you exercise power under 356, you have powers that travel beyond 357. You are mm. capable of making these kinds of changes after parliament has given sanction to that particular proclamation. Mm. Right? That's the sum and substance of the judgment as such. I'm, I wanted to sort of create this history, historical background to go to the final bits where CO272 is therefore upheld. Uh, the amendment to 367 is upheld on the Reorganization Act. They look at the uh, the this, this 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 alteration of the states, and they say, "Look, this is now a question we leave open because eventually you're going to have uh, elections there, right?" Mm. Sanjay Kishan Paul places his own judgment. Uh, and in his own judgment, he also says that uh, you can have elections there as soon as possible. You can have a Truth and Reconciliation Commission. All these are measures that are political measures. The constitutional framework, though, does not alter. Per se, does not alter. I mean, in very simple terms, Kushal, if you if you ask me, all this historical necessary because you're dealing with a constitutional provision, right? But in simple terms, I look at it as this. You had a political compact at the time at which Pakistan suddenly invaded Kashmir. Your political compact at that time was the same compact that every other state grew up. We gave you more leeway, but yes. not under the terms of the instrument of accession. Yes. Not under the terms of the instrument of accession. But because there was a sense of fairness and spirit at that time in the creation of the Indian nation. And mm. that sense of fairness and that sense of integration was felt necessary at that time. You don't want to end up usurping states who are then always angry with you. Yeah. Right? To that end, insurgency in states in India has never been on the ground of independence after that. Because your core requirements of why you would be a part of India were dealt with thoroughly. And that is why it is one of it is the longest constitution in the world. There has been unfairness towards certain states that has, and towards certain sections of the population that has led to insurgency. Mm. Okay. Uh, 
so the constitutional mechanism by which all these states were incorporated that worked what the petitioners wanted was that having worked you have gone from in, in, for example in the context of 356 a regime under the state of rajasthan judgment where the center is everything to a regime un, in 12 13 short, 17 short years to a regime under sr bomai where the center is not everything it has to justify every single thing it says and so states retain a lot of power the states have can ask a lot of questions and the and the and the court has the power to reverse every single step keeping that in mind if you are moving towards a more federal setup a more federated setup mm. then you should have perhaps looked at the jnk case as being one where the democratic deficit comes from the fact that you have dismissed everyone you still don't have an assembly in place and these you could not have allowed for other authorities to go take these steps replacement mm. authorities the president the governor parliament right but to mm. me these are eventually their emotive arguments i understand these emotive arguments i understand them but they raise this in a larger sense or tomorrow for any other state can you do the same mm. but no other state has this provision Hmm. Which is why, if you look at the other special or temporary provisions, or special provisions in relation to all the other states, the northeastern states in relation to tribals in Andhra and in Chhattisgarh and Jharkhand, whatever it may be, Odisha, wherever it may be, those are provisions amendable under Article 368. It is a part of the compact between the citizens of India and the Union of India that they will not choose not to amend that. But tomorrow, if circumstances change and they feel this can be amended, they have the power to amend. Hmm. Article 370 stood differently. You can exercise the power under Article 370 subclause 1 to its max. You can exercise the power under 370 subclause 3 to its max. You can still not arrive at a provision that at a, at a position that says we are freezing him. Hmm. When you apply 371 subclause D to its max, you are applying more and more of the Indian constitution. Yes. Right. When you apply 370 subclause 3 to its max, you say I'm deleting everything. Hmm. And if a constituent assembly does not exist, that doesn't mean the provision stands frozen. That's hmm. really the essence of the case. So, when you look at it in that light, right, the petitioner's case seems more of a technical case hmm. for JNK. But it may have different ramifications for other states. So this issue of can I suddenly break you up and make you into union territories, can I make you into states, that's maybe a larger question that will, will sort of be determined over time. But we've still seen that. We've seen new states get formed in our lifetime and get formed very easily. In fact, the way Telangana broke away from Andhra just before the 2014 election, it was considered mm. one of the worst mistakes made by the Congress at that point in time. But it was done patently against mm. the wishes of all legislators who belong to Andhra. Not to Telangana, but to, to the new Andhra Pradesh. They all want, didn't want it. Hmm. And they used to all say, effectively, you've destroyed our political careers. Hmm. But that power existed with the union. That's the nature of your federation. Got it. Got it. So we, it. I think, been long enough. The other ones were long. Enough. I don't want to go. We, we'll, we'll take questions now. There are four questions. 
uh first is is it fair to say that supreme court decided this case mainly on the fundamental choice of granting sovereignty to jnk and every other point in the judgment was a logical result of that yeah that's that's exactly how i'm presenting it okay that's then exactly the next how. the next one is so, there, there, is, there is a second on no, no, let, let, let me expand on this mm-hmm. there is a second element to this which is every power that is accorded in the constitution or under any statute must be exercised only in terms in which it is provided hmm. right that is the thing that comes back to haunt you with article 370 sub clause 3's proviso because the constituent assembly is gone and you make hmm. that change in 367 that runs coach and horses through this idea but 370 sub, uh, 370 sub clause 1 sub clause d allowed you to do that for jnk hmm right now it's not a small matter you have taken a constituent body replaced it with a legislative body it's not a small matter that constituent body is gone does that then this is why the entire historical record again becomes important that where the where the core principle is that you will only exercise the power in the manner in which it is to be exercised you look back to the history and say well if i have to do that then effectively i'm end, i'm ending up with a frozen provision but this was never intended to be a frozen provision so if i am stuck mm. by that principle of law that i have to exercise power only as designated then i am doing more damage to the provision per se because the provision was never intended to be a frozen provision it had to be a temporary are we saying mm. the power to delete is gone can't be hmm samajh gaya got it okay next question i can a central government use 356 to enact police reforms in various states logically yes okay but states can come but back how, and repeal yeah how can they i mean because it's no, no, a, see the problem is that you can use it to enact police reforms if you have a basis for 356 first stuff you can't apply mm. 356 saying we want to do it for the purpose of police reform yeah today maharashtra does not apply police reforms does not mean mm. you can dismiss the state government of karnataka of, of maharashtra jump in and say we're doing police reforms in maharashtra for that purpose we have done it no you can't exactly exactly okay would removal of other special provisions of the indian constitution also require legal tomfoolery or was this specific to 370 and 35a no this was so this is not tomfoolery i think it was more creative <laughs> the word tomfoolery i think it was much more creative than all of that uh there is no other provision that exists in this manner okay according to fali rahman the right to right process to remove article 370 would be amended under article 368 which gives parliament the power to amend the constitution how is he right or wrong how do we deal with the non abstante clause in 370 sub clause 1 nothing in this constitution will apply that includes article 368 if they could have done it through the root of 368 why would they do all of this they would have just gone to 368 deleted constituent assembly deleted the rest of it and gone away that's a good point that's a good point okay, if they could do it under 368 what's the issue mm, no you can't yes. do it under 368 because i told you in part 1 and part 2 370 sub clause 1 opens with a non abstante remember that notwithstanding anything contained in this constitution mm. 370 sub clause 3 opens with another non abstante which says notwithstanding anything contained in this article mm. so when i am deleting 370 under 370 sub clause 3 it doesn't matter what all i've done 370 sub clause 1 mm. Yeah, is it a good idea to give the president, not the PM, the power to reorganize states, given that the president is elected by electoral college? Ah, uh, the president has little to minimal 
actual executive power. There are very few circumstances in which the president actually has power under our system. But if you read the constitution, it doesn't mention prime minister other than one, once or twice. It always mentions president, but president in our constitution is to be read as president acting on the aid and advice of the council of ministers. That aid and advice binds uh, the president. Hmm. Okay. The situation of any state can be interpreted by governor in whatever manner he feels or adheres to law and court or any, uh, or slash anyone can't challenge. Uh, challenge if you did not request to form a government. I, I think this may be referring to 356. Mm. I think this may be referring to, the, to a proclamation under 356. And I think what he's got confused is what he is applying is really the notion of the law under the state of Rajasthan regime. That the governor forms an opinion and the only thing the court will look at is, that, is it a malafide opinion? Is it an opinion based on extraneous considerations? But after, after the judgment in Bomai, that's not the case anymore. You have to have objective material that satisfies. And hmm. the court will not easily look at it and say, okay, one or two small things have happened. Let's say you, you're not conducting, as has happened in a number of states, you're not conducting police exams. So more police are not being uh, hired, are not being uh, employed. Which means you will have a breakdown on, in various places in terms of law and order. That does not mean a breakdown of constitutional machinery. Hmm. You will not get away with that. You could have got away with that under the state of Rajasthan perhaps, but you will not under SR Momai. Hmm. Hmm. Chalo, all questions are done. This was fantastic. I think there can no not be a more exhaustive uh, explanation. No, no, I, of... Listen, I, I had my eye on the time and that's why and I, and I, I had promised myself whatever the circumstance, I'm not going to ask for a part four. So uh, there were, you know, I sort of breezed through the upholding of CO 272 and CO 273 without mm. really going into the hard arguments on the constitutional side. Mm. I haven't had the chance to actually discuss some of the criticisms of the judgment that come from the other side. I've tried to incorporate as many of those criticisms as I can during the course of the podcast itself. Yeah, but we have done it in part one, right? Part one, part two. It's there in everywhere. It's a, it's a little bit yeah. of the little bit of it is there yeah. everywhere. There are sort of inherent certain certain problems that the court sort yeah. of can't get over. But but you can't cover every aspect. It's impossible. It's impossible. Yeah, see, that's the thing. So where do you prioritize? How do you prioritize the constitution? That's, that's okay. I mean, that that's not a big deal. Uh, I think you've done a fantastic job and you know kudos to you. I commend the way you have experienced and thanks, buddy. Thanks a lot. This was amazing. I mean, I'm happy to I'm happy to help, but really I you know, this part three, I feel like I could have done a little bit more detail, maybe less stress somewhere else and more stress somewhere else. So maybe sometime in the future, maybe we'll have a time to talk about it again in some way. You know. Yep. Yeah, there's never uh, an end to these things. But we'll wrap up today's discussion. Uh, everybody, uh, I just want to announce this. I have created a playlist of Article 370 on my YouTube channel. So if you want to re revisit the discussions, you know, you can get part one, part two, part three all together in a playlist just for the ease of, you know, viewers. Unfortunately, audio listeners, I can't do that over there. So, but in the description, you will see links to part one, part two. So if you click, even if you're an audio listener, you can hop onto YouTube and get the playlist. Um, as always, go follow Nikhil on social media. I have left his X handle. Go follow him. You can, uh, if you have any questions, maybe you can ask him. And if you get lucky, Nikhil might answer them. And uh, keep supporting the Charvak podcast. You know how you can do it. Three, four primary ways. First, become a member on YouTube, Patreon, Fanmo. 
or send your donations to UPI or Kushal Mehra at ICICI. Buy the Charvak podcast merchandise on kushalmehra.com. If you can't do anything of that, if you're an audio listener, leave a rating on your audio platform. And if you are a video viewer on Facebook, like the video. If you are on YouTube, like, subscribe, leave a comment in the comment section. I'll see you guys next time. Until then, take care. Bye.